What's up, Penguins fans? Happy Friday, or as I say, happy frigid Friday here in the city of Pittsburgh. That is why I have my brand new Spun by Sports Illustrated sweatshirt that I got in the mail yesterday. It is freaking cold outside. But for today's episode, we're going to recap the game against the Carolina Hurricanes, a 4-3 to loss in overtime by the Penguins. Why this game should have been a win in regulation. Go into the problems that Brian Dumoulin and Jeff Carter are having. Look at Tristan Jari's performance, Brian Russ' amazing goal. So much more to come for this episode, but we will start it, of course, with the big blunder and then get into everything else. And it's all coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Store Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. Wow, is it cold outside. Um, I have been here living in the 412 for, what, three weeks now? Um, I was stepped outside this morning, zero degrees, minus 23 wind chill. Nope. Can I go back to Virginia? Uh, at this point, my car barely started when I wanted to just warm it up and get the ice off. It is bad. Uh, and I'm supposed to go to the Steelers Raiders game tomorrow at Akersher stadium. Do not know how I'm going to make it through that whole game. Uh, it is frigid out there. If you are listening to this podcast and you live in Pittsburgh or you live in a city, that's also being affected by this Arctic blast that has come through, you know, just you know, be safe, stay home. Uh, do not, you know, but, or, well, be safe, stay home, and just most of all, stay warm. Uh, make sure everything's working. It is frigid um, outside. But um, I was at PBG Paints Arena for the Penguins' uh, loss to the Hurricanes last time. My first three-on-three game. You know, only lasted 23 seconds, though. But um, it stinks that, you know, for the last three games that I've been in PBG for, they've lost two of those three games. So I don't really have the excuse for Ashley anymore. But, you know, Hurricanes 4, Penguins 3, a game that I'll say it here. Penguins should have won that in regulation. And, you know, the losses against this Hurricanes team continue to get more frustrating each time. First game, for example, the Penguins, they jump out to that 1-0 lead. Carolina scores a couple of goals. Penguins, they tie the game late in the third period to send it to overtime. And then, you know, a BS, call, a non-call in overtime leads to a 2-1-0 Hurricanes win. But the Penguins, they had a lead in that game, and I thought they played fine. The second game this past Sunday, right, you know, you're in Raleigh, Brock McGinn gets a massive goal, his ninth of the season. You lead with, what, 11, 12 minutes to go, but then you lose that lead, you lose 3-2 in the third period. This game, Brian Rust, goal of the year potentially for the Penguins, and I'll get to that goal in just a second. You're up with, what, seven, eight minutes left, if that. Just a few minutes later, you know, noted Penguin killer now, Jordan Stahl, who has goals in five uh, five goals in his last seven games against the Penguins. He's able to tie it up. Penguins lose 23 seconds in overtime because I think of a little bit of a coaching blunder from Mike Sullivan. And I thought the Penguins played mostly pretty fine in that game. It's just three games that the, they have played against the Hurricanes and they've all lost 50-50s. I, I am not subscribing to the notion that they are just getting brutally outplayed by the Hurricanes. I disagree with that. I think this has just been another unfortunate result another 50-50, and the Penguins 
they have not been able to come out on the right side of it. You know, Sidney Crosby, he gets the thing started, one nothing lead, and then they kind of have a, couple, a little bit of error, a couple errors, then you're down 2-1. And then, you know, the same thing with Brian Russ. He gives them the lead. And then for that split second that Brian Dumoulin, you know, is on the ice right there, boom, error leads to the goal that ties it. And then Evgeny Malkin, another error in overtime, chases Jacob Slavin for no reason. They come down, they score 23 seconds in, and they get the extra point that Penguins go into the holiday break um, with a loss. So it's just small plays, I think, have really doomed the Penguins in this season series against the Hurricanes so far. I really don't think it's, um, you know, in all three games they've gotten, you know, atrocious goaltending. I, I think a couple of the goals that Casey DeSmith has given up well that he gave up on the Sunday game were a bit weak but I don't really think overall if you look at the three games that they've been out goalied I think you know Ronta whether it's Ronta Kuchi um for you know the other Hurricanes goalie they've played fine against them I just think it's got to come down to some bounces and just some unfortunate results I think that's really it. Now, do I think the Hurricanes are a better team than the Penguins right now? Yes, I, I will say that. I have no problem saying it. You know, they, they, they're doing this without Sebastian Ajo and Max Pacioretty and, and Seth Jarvis even got a bit banged up last night as well. And they're also doing it without Frederick Anderson, who was one of the best goalies in the league last year. Um, but again, the playoffs are a different beast. I, you know, regular season records against a team all go out the window when a series starts. For example, this is maybe not the best example, but you all know where I'm going with it. The Rangers took three out of four against the Penguins last year's season going into the playoffs. Everyone was like, oh yeah, the Penguins stand no chance. They're going to lose in five games. They won three of the first four games in the playoff series before Louis Domingue crapped all over himself. That that's the kind of that's the kind of point that I'm trying to make. That kind of stuff goes out the window. So if these two teams do play in the playoffs, and I think there is a decent chance that, that could happen, though I don't think it's going to be round one because I think Carolina is going to win the division because New Jersey is not playing that well. I think, you know, it would come later on. And I think the Penguins, they will hopefully be better equipped for it because maybe they'll have made some upgrades at a couple positions, which I'm going to get, which I'm going to, get to in just a second as well. But I really wanted to take the time to talk about, you know, that specific point as a whole, you know, you know do the Penguins have a problem with the Hurricanes? And, and I kind of think it's yes and no. I saw so many people just coming into my mansion saying, oh yeah, you know, stop making excuses and all that. They just have their number. And it's like, I understand that, but these have been three very closely decided one goal games. And do the Penguins need to be a better team at defending leads in the third period? Sure. Does Brian Dumoulin not need to see the ice a lot less? Sure. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. But when it comes down to it, you know, team gets a bounce, the other team doesn't. I think the Penguins, they haven't, again, they haven't been brutally outplayed by the Hurricanes. I will die on that hill. I thought the first 50 minutes of that game on Thursday, the Penguins were staying even with them, if not outplaying the Hurricanes. And yes, I know they got out attempted. I know they had 19, they gave up 19 high danger chances, which, you know, that's a, a, a little too much for my liking. But I also do know that the Penguins, they played with them throughout that entire uh, game. And excuse me, a 5v5, it was 14 high danger chances, 19 overall for the game. And expected goals, yeah. It looks ugly, but you know, I, I I think a good chunk of those came in the third period, um, actually, and that's that's the case. Here here's an interesting stat for you all. In the first two periods of the game yesterday, 
the Hurricanes only had four high danger chances for, three high danger chances for the Penguins. And the third period went up to 10 to two. And most of those came in the second half of the period because that's when they were starting to take over the game a little bit more. I thought that for the first 50 or so minutes, the Penguins played fine. If not, they were outplaying them. But the third period, or at least the second half of the third period, they really started to get outplayed. But we can also throw that back to the Sunday game where I thought the Penguins were also really outplaying the Hurricanes for good chunks. Yes, they struck back. Yes, they got the win. But, you know, I don't think this has been a season series where you're seeing a team just dump all over the other team. I think the Penguins have been right there in these games. They just had a few unfortunate incidents go against them where they haven't been able to get the wins. Again, it's not goaltending. It's not the top six. Most of the defense is fine. It's just a few stupid errors. And, you know, I, I kind of think that's it. You know, yes, would it, would I have would I pick the Hurricanes to beat the Penguins in a playoff series? Yes, I do think the Penguins match up a hell of a lot better against some other teams in the Eastern Conference right now. I think they match up a lot better against the Rangers. I think they match up better against the Capitals, who are, who are now in a playoff spot. You know, the Devils, I think I would even take, take the Penguins over them right now, even though the Penguins haven't even played the Devils this season. But, you know, this was a good game, and, and, and it was right there for the Penguins to win because they were playing well enough to take it. It's just, again, they're not able to get those bounces. So to wrap up this segment for you all, do I think the Penguins have a true problem with this team? I'm going to lean towards no. And it's weird. Y'all are going to think I'm crazy. I get it. But the uh, you can easily make the argument that the Penguins could have won all three of these games. They had leads in all of them. Both games, these last two, leads in the third period, leads with less than you know nine minutes to go in the third period, and they weren't able uh, to keep them. And again, that goes back to them defending better, uh, needing to defend better with the league. Casey DeSmith not giving up a goal from 60 feet. Brian Dumoulin not losing Jordan Stahl from behind the net, which I'm going to get to in the second segment. But, you know, <clears throat> the, the the blueprint to beat this team is there. Penguins just have to execute it, and they'll have another chance to do that in January. So that wraps up this segment. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into what the true losing play was last night and, you know, what, the, what did the Penguins have to do um, with this um, specific player. But before we get to that, did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you are wrong. Your friends can tell, your coworkers can tell, even your parents can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive while you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you do drive different. And while driving high is driving under the influence. So always remember that. And plus remember, drive high, get a DUI. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Elmshore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So let's get into the play that everyone has been looking at. So Brian Russ has probably the Penguins goal of the year. Um, takes the puck. Comes right down the seam, does his patented, you know, move on the back end, goes to his forehand. The place erupts, and what a crowd it was at PBG Paints Arena last night. That was probably the crowd of the season, at least for the games that I've been to. It's kind of like a playoff game. I thought that was going to be the game winner. I didn't think the Penguins were going to lose that game after that, but 
Um, Brian Dugan had other ideas. And yeah, Jordan Stahl has played really well against his former team. I didn't like some of the boos that people were giving him at the arena last night. He's been, he was awesome when he was a Penguin. Um, but yeah, I get it. He's been a Penguin killer these last couple of years, has goals in five of the of the last seven games against the Penguins. And in that situation, there's, you know, I don't know what Brian Dumoulin is doing there. You know, you have to get your stick across in that situation. I mean, Tristan, was he a little over-aggressive? Yeah. But that puck should still not have gone into the net because Dumoulin should have prevented it from happening. He was way too slow to get his stick across. And Stahl, with his ridiculously long reach, he beat him to it, and <clears throat> the game is tied with 4.26 to go. And I don't understand why Dumoulin is continuing to get these minutes. Um, I get that he's a respected veteran. I get the guys won two Stanley Cups. It's been a, a core player for a long time for this organization. But the guy's in his 30s now, and he's looked cooked all year. It's been a, maybe a, a one or two week stretch where he's looked okay, you know, serviceable. He's playing, you know, bottom pairing, second pairing minutes. He's not playing with Chris Tang anymore. You're like, okay, maybe can get away with this, right? Wrong. He just continues to look worse. Um, he was on the ice for 10 of the 19 high danger chances last night. And no, I'm not joking. That's a real stat for the season. This is also a real stat I looked up today. He's been on the ice for 104 high danger chances against. Yeah, it's, it, he's he's cooked. I, I hate to say it because he has been such a great player to watch uh, while he's on his game, but he's cooked, Yens. I, I don't know how how else I can say it. Um, I thought Dayon uh, Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports said it best last night um, with his tweet, if I can find it, you know, here. I mean, you know, he, he even said, you know, he, he wouldn't have if Dumoulin – this game never should have gone to OT and it would not have if Dumoulin handles the most routine of routine assignments, one that he used to handle well routinely. This will be a much better team when he is out. And as DK wrote after that, it's not, it's not fun to say it. I mean, it, it, this team is going to be better when he's out of the lineup. I mean, I think at this point, <clears throat> I don't think Mike someone's going to listen to me. What I would do, I'd call up Ty Smith and see what he can do at this point. You know, Dumoulin is a liability. And the thing is, I know they're not going to because I understand how much respect the organization and the coaching staff has for Doolin just because he's won the two Stanley Cups. He's been there for a long time. But I'll also give you all this. Would Doolin get this much leeway if he was 23 or 24 years old making these mistakes? Think about that. No. He'd be sent down to Wilkes-Barre. And you'd see someone like Ty Smith up here eating those minutes or something like that. But because he's an established veteran, because he's a cup winner, he's going to continue to get the minutes when he shouldn't. And, you know, he stinks right now. He's been bad for most of the season. The Penguins are lucky that his contract is up after the season, but they still need to find a solution to this problem. Again, my solution is calling up Ty Smith. I think he's been really good down in Wilkesbury. He was great in training camp, great in the preseason. The only reason he didn't make the team is because the team has no cap space. It was just a salary cap problem. But, you know, it's time for them to really have some tough conversations with this player. He's not what he used to be. And you can't be icing him in that kind of situation when, you know, you're less than five minutes away from getting a massive win against the team leading the division. You've got to go out there and put your best players out. And I'll echo the same with Jeff Carter. 
Why is he continuing to get so much ice time when he is awful? They were putting him out there late game situations where they were up three to two last night as well. I don't get it. It's probably for the same reason. He's the Salish veteran. He's a cup winner, blah, 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 blah. But you know what? <clears throat> if he was 23 to 24 years old as well, he'd be now Wilkes-Barre too. They put, they'd be putting someone else out there. And that third line is still a major issue for this team. Those, those are the two big issues, I think, for me. Brian Doolin's at the top. It's Jeff Carter directly below. 1A, 1B, if you want to call it that. Because the third line has a pulse, if you will, in quotation marks. Because Brock McGinn has a 19.8 shooting percentage. Is that sustainable? No. He shot 10.5% for his career. He has 10 goals this season. He is on a 23-goal pace. I'm sorry, guys. I know it's not the halfway point yet. I would still be a little surprised if he scores 23 goals this year. Um, No. Really good defensive first player. Can chip in a goal every now and then. Great that he has 10 this year. I do not think he's going to get to 23. And once that shooting percentage starts to go down and regresses back to the mean, oh, that third line is going to look even uglier than it is right now. That's for sure. So, um, you know, the Penguins' two biggest problems reared their ugly head once again last night, especially in the form of Brian Dumoulin. He just does not have it. And they got to figure it out. You know, I know they sent down Mark Freeman today, but that's just because, you know, it's the holiday break. You know, maybe he comes up after. I, I don't know. I don't think Jeff Petrie's not going to be available um, uh, until, I believe it's what, January 6th, January 8th from his injury. That, that's at the earliest. Um, so we'll have to see what happens with that. They'll probably have to call someone up after the break. You know, maybe it's Ty Smith. Maybe they're already thinking about it. But yeah, I mean, this, this player, Brian Dumoulin, just is not the same. So. I really wanted to spend this second segment going into that play specifically, getting into some of the numbers regarding him and just also touching on, you know, how Jeff Carter has, you know, been almost as bad as he has been this season. If the Penguins are able to upgrade at the third line center spot somehow, some way, and potentially have Brian Dumoulin out of the lineup come playoff time and have a, have a better replacement in there, AKA Ty Smith. I really do think this team can go places this season. I really do. But um, that wraps up this segment of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Coming up in the final segment, we're going to get into some in, um, some individual player performances that I really liked and some post-game takeaways that you all provided me as well. So stick around for that coming up right after this commercial break. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter at Eleanor Shore Penguins, and of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So, performances that I really enjoyed last night before getting into your takeaways. Um, I thought Tristan Jari played a remarkable game. Didn't really like the second goal that he gave up. I thought it's just a shot from the point that shouldn't go in. But he was saving their butts in the third period. He was making timely save after timely save. A lot of Jari chants were, ch- uh, were uh, breaking out, and you know, good for him. He's on a really good run right now, 11-0-3 and and now in his last 14 starts. He has played well. Um, I don't really, again, I don't really think he gave up any other bad goals outside of that second one um, from Chatfield uh, from the point. That was his first career NHL goals. Congratulations to him. Um, but, you know, he he still played uh, good. Sidney Crosby gets another goal. He continues to um, be one of the best scorers at 5v5, if not the best scorer at 5v5 this season, continues to um, have a heart trophy 
level season. And Brian Russ, the goal of the year, people, for the Penguins. I've said that about five times, but just takes the pass from his own zone, comes up the ice, you know, acts like he's going to button hook up. Nope, I'm just going to go right around you. I'm going to do my patented backhand forehand move. Ronta, no chance on it. And what a celebration from him there, too. And I'm really hoping that, you know, he continues to build off that goal and off that performance. He was awesome last night. Just a remarkable game from him. The power play, 10 straight games now with a power play goal. Um, I thought that was the longest in the Sid Gino era. I was wrong. According to Penguins PR, um, in the Sid Gino era, I believe the longest one is 12, which was set back in 2013. So the Penguins, they'll have a chance to tie that record um, on Wednesday of next week if they're able to score one on Tuesday um, against the New York Islanders when they travel up to Long Island to play them, and then they'll play the Red Wings on Wednesday. But that power play continues to be awesome. I thought the penalty kill was terrific. The Hurricanes power play has not been that good this season, but the penalty kill has just been terrific over the last month and a half. Teddy Bluger and Brock McGinn, what a combination they are on the PK. That was when McGinn had his 10th uh, of the season. Um, really, you know, shifty move by Bluger on that rush that led to the McGinn goal. Um, kind of goes inside out, gets a shot off on the rush. And then McGinn is able to fire the rebound past Ronta. I believe it went glove side. On and that was a really nice play by both those players. And, you know, they also had a two-on-one a little early on in the game when McGinn actually hit the crossbar. So he almost had a two-goal game there. You know, the, the penalty kill continues to be one of, if not the best unit in the NHL right now. Um, and it's, you know, as long as that continues to, you know, happen and Tristan Jari continues to make the saves, um, they're not going to give up a lot of power play goals uh, throughout the rest of the season. Um Outside of that, you know, in, um, individual-wise, I thought Malkin had a fine game. I did not like Mike Sullivan's decision to start him in the overtime. I think it came down to Sully getting a bit spooked by what happened on Sunday. And I think you all will remember, if you all watched it, um, you know, when Jordan saw clean sit out four straight times to the end of the third period, I think Sully was kind of just like, mm, don't really know if I want to do that. I think I'm just going to go out with Gino decision obviously didn't pay off did not like that Gino chased Slavin behind the net there I don't know what that was about he took full responsibility for it after the game there's no need to do that back off a little bit play some defense I know he's trying to be aggressive there but in that situation it leads to a three on two and you know that's just you know you're dead and sure enough the Penguins they, they did die um, at the end of the game with that goal from Jacob Slavin a player who only had one goal in 30 plus games uh, before that one, you know, great defenseman, but he just never scores. You don't want to give up a goal uh, to him. But yeah, that, that that's a learning lesson. Mike Sullivan, also really critical of the Penguins' performances in overtime so far. He said it has to change, says that they're just giving away standing points. He's 100% right, but it's also like Mike starts it out in overtime. You know, I don't think that goal happens if he's out there. Um, and that's no disrespect to Gino. He's been terrific this season, but um, Sid is a more defensively responsible player than Gino, and I think the Penguins potentially get more possession off that, and, you know, Slavin obviously doesn't score that goal, so who knows what happens. But I would have not been as spooked, but I understand why Sully was in that situation. Um, outside of that, there's really no other player performances um, that really jumped out um, fully. I mean, I will say Drew O'Connor had a couple of thundering hits that, you know, set up a couple of quality scoring chances. I thought he played pretty well in that game. Now, to get to your 
listener takeaways, which I will get to um, right here. Let me if I can just load these up. Um, we got we got a ton uh, to talk about today. Um, and yes, Clark, Ty Smith propaganda starts now. I am ready for him to come up. Uh, that's to say the least. Um, Jesse Malecki, I thought the Penguins deserved this in overtime. Despite being outshot, I think the Penguins had the better chances. Kane's theory of throwing everything in the net paid off with two wide shots landing right on the Kane sticks for a tap-in and a wraparound that Dumas root up. That said, when when does POJ move up over eight? Yeah, I did forget about that first goal, Jesse, where you know, it's just a beautiful <clears throat> shot pass right off the boards. Goes right to Martin Nichas's, um, uh stick blade in the net. Yeah, just a... Nice little set play there. You know, not, you can't really defend that. I think POJ should move up over Dumoulin right now, though, to answer your question. I don't really think Dumoulin should be in the lineup coming out of the break. It's not going to happen, but he's costing them games and he's costing them standing points. Um, Abraham King, um, Abram King says, despite what others are saying, I think this is a good loss. If there is one, you got the point and show that they are legitimate contenders with Jari in the net. Rather make mistakes now than in the first round. I think that's a good take. Honestly, I would rather show these mistakes now than in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I wouldn't call it a good loss. It's definitely frustrating because, you know, people only look at the results and you look at what happened with Doom 1. And yeah, it all stinks. And yeah, the Penguins should have won this game. But again, as I said in my first segment, the Penguins could have easily won this game and the other two as well. They've pl- they've been right there. And, you know, they, you know would, would, would we be saying the same thing right now if they had won all three of these games or even two of them? No. So, um, yeah, I would rather have these mistakes out of the way now. The regular season goes out the window when the playoffs start. So I really don't want to hear that argument for why a team should be scared just because you lost three out of four or got swept in the, in the regular season. That really, sometimes that does not mean um, anything. Um, John Gilger, though, disagrees with that. He says, I don't think we match up well with them despite two one-goal losses. I do understand that take, John. I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what other people are, are saying as well. The Hurricanes, they're a very fast team. They're faster than the Penguins. They have a lot of depth. It's not, they're not as deep as some other teams, but it's quality. It's, it's definitely some quality depth. And they're also without two of their best players right now. And yes, they throw everything at the net. They're, they're, they don't, they're not called the Caroline Corsis for no reason. You know, they have a game and they say to it, Rod Brindamore is one of the best coaches in the league. Now, would, would this be the first choice for the Penguins playing the playoffs? No. You know, you know if I had it my way, I'd rather have someone knock them out so the Penguins probably don't see them, even though I think it would be a fun series. But um, I do understand that point that you're making, that you, they don't match up well with them because the Penguins are a bit older. They can't play that true speed skill game that they did in 2016. But I do think that the playoffs are a different story. I think people need to also realize that the Hurricanes have not proven anything in the playoffs yet. They had that 2 nothing lead to the Rangers in the second round of this past series, and they lost four of those next five games. So, you know, this is a team... Okay, they got to the conference final once in the Robert Demore era. Besides that, what have they really done? You know, they couldn't win on the road in the playoffs last year. So, you know, I think that also plays a factor too. I'm not saying the Penguins would win that series. I'm saying I know I, I'm even saying right now that they would lose because you know what's been going on and stuff. But um, I don't think it's this end all be all situation when it comes to the Penguins and the Hurricanes. Alan Teodor says. Knew this game was going to be something when I get to the arena and have to buy different tickets because somehow my season tickets got messed up. That is awful, Alan. Um, I could not imagine that happening. I would probably, you know, uh, if I, if I were in that situation, honestly, man, I'd, whew, I'd, I'd be getting mad at my bank account. I'd be getting mad at my. I'd be getting mad at the organization for some reason. But that's just that's weird that they didn't work. 
Um, Wesley Reed says Brian Dumoulin is almost always on the ice for a goal against, and at this point, he needs to be traded or benched and bring up someone else. He's a great guy and is one of my, I've been he's been one of my favorite players over his tenure here, but it's time to move on and clear his cap space and get an actual defensive defenseman in there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Wesley. It's just I don't know if Mike Sullivan and the rest of the coaching staff do. And when it, it comes down to that, and again, I'm not being a shill here. I'm not trying to simp for the coaching staff, but you know. I think it's just a reality that they just have too much respect to bench him. But I do agree he either needs to be traded or he needs to be stable to the bench for at least a little bit because it's just it's not working right now. Um, same with James Nolan, part ways with him one way or the other. He's washed. It's time for Ty Smith. Yep. I mean, I agree with that. Um, another, um, let me see. Scott the Oreo says, I was shocked how sloppy both teams played. Not what I expected from these teams. I do think the Hurricanes were a bit sloppy at times as well, especially when the Penguins were taking over the game. But I do agree with you as well, Scott, that – um, the Penguins were also a bit sloppy, especially in the late stages of the third period when the when the Hurricanes were really starting to take over um, that game. And then finally, um, Nikki T says, this team can't go into the playoffs with Jeff Carter and Brian Dumoulin. They are weighing the team down. And Matt Gatka says they're not catching the Canes. Yeah, I mean, they're not. They're not. They're down five points right now. They've already lost three games against them. I would be pretty surprised if the Penguins caught Carolina. And I would be pretty surprised if the Hurricanes not win the Metropolitan Division at this point. They, they are the best team in the division bar none. And yeah, a lot of the reactions to stem with Carter and Newman, I get it. You know, they stick out in losses like this just because the rest of the team has been playing really well. And, you know, I know it's hard to complain about this team right now. They're playing some amazing hockey. They've won eight of their last 10, 13 to 17. They're continuing to get points in the standings. They don't really have a lot of issues. Their top six is loaded. Fourth line's pretty good. Their starting goaltenders mostly playing pretty well. Most of your defense is good, but a couple sore spots, that third line center spot and Brian Dumoulin. They can fix those. This team's a cup contender. So we'll have to see. But I really do think this team is in a great spot. It's a December loss. It's not the end of the world. Top three in the Metropolitan Division right now. You know, We'll see what they can do coming out of the holiday break when they grab to Long Island to take on the a really struggling Islanders team. We'll, we'll preview that game. Uh, next Monday, potentially with Gil Martin. But that is an Islanders team that is looking very mediocre right now after a hot start. They're without Adam Pellick, but that's a team that does not have a lot of offense and a team I think the Penguins can definitely beat up on Long Island. And they'll play a Red Wings team that is also really struggling right now as well. So that'll do it for this one. Um, I hope you all have an amazing holiday weekend. Merry Christmas to you and your loved ones for all of you that listen to the show that celebrate. Thank you all so much for continuing to listen to the podcast and watch the podcast, I should say. I, I appreciate it so much. We'll do another one of these on Monday. Have a safe and happy holiday, and I'll be back to your airwaves soon.